This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of 91. The value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. In South Africa, 91 is an authorised financial services provider. I received a report from 91, the JSC and LSE listed company, this morning. It says, we are delighted to share our second annual global environment impact report. With me is a portfolio manager at 91 in London, and that's Graham Baker. You're the co-author of this report. What is it, first of all, global environment impact report? What does that mean, Graham? Our impact report is really aimed at being radically transparent around our investment strategy for our investors. And what we aim to show within this impact report is detailed information around every single company we hold within our portfolio. And we try to explain some very important environmental metrics and try to help our investors understand carbon risk and carbon impact primarily, but also try to bring them on a journey with us and also try to analyze and track other key material sustainability factors and then combine these impact metrics with financial metrics to try and help ourselves make better, more sustainable long-term investment decisions. So it really is aiming to show investors exactly what we're doing, how we're engaging with businesses and the depth of work and detail that we carry out around the global environment strategy. How many, how many companies are we talking about here? So currently we have approximately 25 companies in the portfolio. And the aim is to invest in sustainable decarbonisation and really to try and invest on the positive side of climate change and invest in the winners from global decarbonisation. Carbon reporting is the first point that I want to bring up here. It says, in the portfolio, we have seen significant improvements of companies reporting of carbon risk, and you say scope one, two, and three carbon emissions, and impact carbon avoided. How much progress are companies making in this regard? We've actually seen significant improvement in carbon reported, and that's across carbon risk and carbon avoided, which we really call carbon impact. For example, the proportion of companies reporting carbon avoided to a standard we are happy with has almost doubled over the past year to approximately two-thirds of the portfolio. The, report, the, the proportion reporting all scope three categories has also more than doubled. Now, we understand a lot more needs to be done around reporting emissions data and around all sustainability related data. But we believe we're at the beginning of a very exciting journey. 63%, you say, of portfolio companies are on the pathway towards reducing their scope one and two carbon intensity. Are they doing enough? I mean, they're on the pathway. Is that pathway wide enough? And are they walking along that pathway at sufficient pace to satisfy you? Yeah, and that's, that's a good question. As we know, globally as a planet we are not doing enough to stay within the paris targets and to potentially stay within a 1.5 to do two degrees warming scenario but as you say what we have seen from the companies we invest in we have seen some positive movements around emissions so 
as you say, approximately 63% of the portfolio have reduced their scopes one and two emissions. Approximately 50% of the portfolio have reduced their scope three emissions. And more importantly and excitingly, 83% of the portfolio have increased their carbon avoided. So we continue to see improvements among the majority of our companies. And it's important to note that the progress in carbon data and the targets are really important at the company-specific level. Just looking at an overall level for the portfolio doesn't necessarily give you the best picture. So you really need to delve into the detail and look through the reports at each company and take them on their own merit. 83% of our companies, you've just mentioned that, are increasing their carbon avoided total. As a result, you say, fewer greenhouse gases are being released into the atmosphere. Then you go on to say when it comes to engagement under that particular headline, it says our engagement with companies on improving reporting standards has contributed to these results. So what you're saying is that you're influencing companies, is that correct? Well, we like to think that we are helping to influence companies. As we know, there are many other investors and asset allocators out there that are working on engagement goals and targets as we are. And we work with some of the biggest asset allocators and investors around the world to try and help businesses to improve um, on some of these key engagement points. But we also understand that with some engagement topics, we're going to have more success and more influence than others. So, for example, with carbon reporting specifically, we are having very detailed and successful discussions with many portfolio um, portfolio holdings, and we believe we are seeing direct success of what we're doing. Um, on the other hand, there are other sustainability and ESG engagement topics where we'll have less influence, such as and and will take longer to have an impact and. You know, that could be things such as gender diversity across businesses, which are a lot, diff- lot more difficult to ingrain within the company's um, management beliefs and, and changes over time. You say here it goes without saying that we are uh, that we voted all proxies to hold boards and management teams accountable to the highest standards. Has there been resistance from certain board members and certain boards? Um, no, I th- I think what that really and what we're trying to explain there is that as portfolio managers on the strategy, but also the analysts working on the strategy are deeply involved with engaging with the businesses that we're investing in. And, and there, are, there are always improvements that can be made for any company out there. And what we ensure is that we are looking at not only environmental issues, but social and corporate governance issues and working with companies and voting alongside our beliefs You say the following under portfolio benefits. You say the analysis highlighted in this report has helped us better understand the companies we invest in and therefore allocate capital in a more sustainable way. 25 companies is a tiny, tiny universe. Do you envisage in the next one year, two years, five years that it might triple, quadruple or go up by 10 times? Because surely that's your goal. Well, I think it's important to note here that our universe of companies that we can pick from. And it's something we call our carbon avoided universe, yes. which is a bespoke carbon avoided universe that we've created, actually includes approximately 700 companies. The 25 companies that we're talking about here are the companies that make it through a very detailed, rigorous investment process to get to our final portfolio. So we are engaging with the companies within our 
portfolio approximately four times a year and we aim to continue to do that and that is time consuming but it also helps us to really understand the businesses and continue to push management and boards on um, capital allocation decisions but also on sustainability and the way they run their businesses for the long term. I want to talk about something now which is interesting and one of your colleagues said Lindsay please ask Graham about the following decarbonize your lunch what does that mean? Yes. Well, decarbonize your lunch was actually um, something which was introduced last year, a bit of fun for the 91 staff within London. And really, as we're really passionate about living the experience our clients have with us. So we launched something called Decarbonize Your Lunch, which was a fun internal program that helped us to educate and focus minds on the real world implications of climate change decarbonisation, carbon reporting, etc. And whilst in a small way helping to reduce the world's carbon footprint. So the objective was to lower the carbon footprint associated with ours 91 London-based staff's lunchtime meals and to provide some interesting lessons along the way for all of us. Now, a couple of interesting data points came out of some of the, the decarbonise your, your lunch sessions and work for example packaging and waste management accounts for five to ten percent of the emissions linked to a shop-bought sandwich and this also means that a homemade sandwich has half the carbon footprint of a shop-bought one largely because of waste in commercial food and i suppose one of the other things we really tried to get across was that we should be buying from responsible sources so for example cattle raised on deforested land accounts for 12 times the emission of cows reared on natural pastures and i think this helps to show that we all need to be better informed and if we are we're able to make more responsible choices and we we really try to link this directly to how we try and think about our carbon analysis and supply chain analysis within the global environment strategy it's very interesting because if you go out of the when the old days when you used to work at at, uh, 91's office in london which I've been to many times, you pop around the corner, you buy something and it's probably wrapped in plastic. You don't know where the ingredients have been sourced from. And so therefore your carbon footprint or your carbon lunch footprint automatically uh, screams at you. But what you're saying is a single-use plastic is out the window. You can put it in a Tupperware or whatever it is or a brown bag and bring it in yourself having made it. And that's that's a start, a small start, but nonetheless a start. Yeah, yeah. And we thought it was a great way to really help people to understand how we're thinking about it better. Okay. What's the conclusion here? We believe the work that we're doing, as I mentioned before, this, the, some of these impact metrics around sustainability, carbon risk and carbon impact, plus other sustainability metrics, help us to make better informed decisions around the long-term sustainability of a business. And we combine that information with the financial metrics um, that, that many investors will look at and spend a lot of time understanding the structural growth story linked to decarbonisation, the competitive advantages of these businesses, how strong their moats are, for example, and if this can drive sustainable return on capital. Very final question. Do you find that during the extraordinary times that we've just endured, in fact, it's almost been six months now of extraordinary times, do you find that people are saying, 
I can't really be bothered about a global environment strategy because I'm too worried about other matters. In other words, an e- a global economic uh, slowdown, the change in my business, or are people still willing to embrace everything we've spoken about over the last 15 minutes? Now, that's something we are getting asked a lot from investors. But I think the important point to note is we don't believe that the need and the structural growth story around sustainable decarbonisation is going away. If you look at the, the potential reduction in carbon emissions this year because of the COVID crisis, we think it might be between maybe minus 5 to minus 10%. But as we start to return to some form of normal activity, we will see carbon emissions conti- um, rise again and continue to rise. And what we need to see is the same sort of decrease in carbon emissions we've seen this year every single year out to 2050 if we are to stay within a 1.5 to 2 degrees warming scenario. So the requirements for us as a planet to keep driving forward around decarbonisation is still there and is still extremely important for not only the ecosystem that we live in for the potential, and this sounds extreme, but the potential survival of the human race, but also investors and asset allocators. Graham Baker is a portfolio manager at 91 in London.